This is banned from ringside. Hey, everybody. Uh, tonight, before the show, we are going to give a little bit of time to the fourth Beatle. The man, the myth, the legend, Joey O'Farrell has joined the band for Ringside Podcast to tell us about a very big show for a very good cause that's happening this weekend. Joey O'Farrell, welcome to Band from Ringside. How are you? Thanks for having me, Bill. It's good to be back. Um, I'm doing great. Just wanted to kind of tell everyone about the show going on this Sunday. Um, doors are at two, shows at three. It's, um, it's a benefit for, a, a, you know, kind of a local wrestling legend. Um, he's a referee. He's a wrestler. He is a, a phenomenal artist. I'm sure you've seen his work before. He does stuff. He's done, he's commissioned stuff for the New Day, for WWE. Um, he does a lot of the cool artistic stuff for like all the big Glory Pro shows. Um, his name's Eric Allen. Um, recently, his daughter, um, Allison, was um, in, a, in an accident where she was burned very badly on her arms, her her whole body basically. Um, and you know, it costs the family a lot of time, money, hospital bills, therapy, all that stuff. Um, it's something that she'll deal with for the rest of her life. I'm happy to report she's doing a lot better. She, she'll be at the show. Um, but needless to say, it's something that she'll be dealing with for the rest of her life. So we're going to do a benefit, um, with a lot of great talent. Um, we're also doing what's called like a, it's kind of a, it's a different kind of raffle. Basically we'll have, we'll have this, uh, array of prizes from, you know, four tickets, four front row tickets to SmackDown to, you know, autograph New Japan, AEW, WWE, figurines, um, different kinds of merch, um, gift cards from Sauce on the Side, Southwest Diner, um, just all kinds of cool stuff uh, to, to bid on. And you can basically just buy a group of tickets and you can put your ticket in whatever, what, whatever prize you want. At the end of that, we'll draw that prize and we're just trying to raise as much money as possible. Um, the show is 15 bucks. It's going to be a pop um, on Sunday afternoon. And uh, some of the talent that's going to be on a couple of the matches, uh, are, we'll, we'll start with the main event, which is going to be um, uh, Brandon Aaron, uh, Dak Draper, and uh, former WWE Tag Team Champion Paul London um, in a triple threat match. Uh, we also have, for the first time ever, uh, two of the best wrestlers, in St. Louis right now, in uh, Cody Lane versus Ethan Price, uh, big strong boy, and then you know we got Gary J, we got KLD, we got Dan the Dad, we got Ben Trust, we got ATM, um, Shaz McKenzie, Tui Lynn, uh, all the big local, all the big local names, um, and then obviously some people from out of town are coming in to do the show as well. But yeah, it's going to be a heck of a show. It's going to be a good time, and uh, you know any. You know, just come on out, you know, pay the 15 bucks, you know, try and win some cool stuff. And, you know, all like I said, 100% of the money is going to a great cause. It's going to be a really good time. 100% of the money is going to the cause, fighting for Allison. Um, sounds like a banger of the show. Remind the peeps where it is one more time, uh, where it is, how much it costs. Sure. The show is at Pop Nightclub in Sage, Illinois. That's 1403 Mississippi, Sauge, Illinois. Not Saget, Sauge. And um, it's going to, doors are at two, shows at three. Um, we'll have food. We'll have tons of awesome prizes, like I said, to give away. Uh, you know, it's a can't miss wrestling card. So, yeah, come on out, support a great cause, and uh, have a lot of fun at the same time. Jason Cornelius Bell is going to be there. I am 50 50 at this point. I wish I could, I wish I could, uh, 
I wish I could give you a higher number right now, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, I can't. Joey, thank you so much for joining the show. Do you have any parting thoughts about the week that was in wrestling? Oh, my God. Did you guys see fucking Nick Nick uh, Nick Wayne almost get killed in his first match ever? I sure did, yes. We will be talking about <laughs> Nick Wayne almost getting killed in his first oh match as a wrestler. Oh, my God. Right, dude, I settle like, down. <laughs> that's that, you know, we're, we're talking about that power bomb off top rope, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. yeah. Other than that, no, I, I, you know, I watched all of Dynamite. It was a fun show. Is Collision becoming the number one show for AEW? That is a Dynam- – that's also a topic that will be broached. I don't think so, but I know that uh, I know that there are people out there. The uh, the tag team match was something to behold this week. But um, Joey, you got to come back for a full show. Sometimes you are always welcome on the Band from Ringside podcast, of course. And everybody, uh, come see Joey O'Farrell and Jason Cornelius Bell. Jason Cornelius Bell will not be performing. <laughs> he is not booking. He's just there as a man yeah. amongst the people. Myself, on, will be there we'll on be. the scene. Bo Geesman's going to be there. We'll also, meet about two thirty. Uh, we might we might be performing. Go root, <laughs> go root on my man Dak Draper. Joey, thank you so much. All right, guys, have a good day. All right, buddy. all right, Joe, be safe. Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, CM Punk beats Joe. Roman sheds a tear. Your boy Kota Ibushi is back, and it's your big G1 preview extravaganza. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. You a fool, dude. <laughs> you a goddamn fool. <laughs> Do your thing, baby boy! Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Marks. Welcome to the Band for Ringside Podcast. As always, I am your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. the Spankensteiner. And sitting directly across from me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell, one of my greatest friends of all time. <laughs> JCB, what's going on? Man, that's just... <laughs> you, man. You. That's good shit, brother. That's good shit. All good. Uh, just podcast my ass off. Uh, did something with uh, High Five Time on Wrestling More Than Savior. That should be out on Visionary Gold Media. Uh, just did another one today. That should be coming out on Tuesday. I will get tagged on that. And I'll put that out there for everybody to listen to. I am a blessed individual. As crazy as my life is, I need to remember always, I am a blessed individual. And on that lovely note, I'll ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast, Volume 316, Chapter 3, Verse 14. And the good smart says, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. We ready to do this damn thing. I'm done talking. Do it. And out there in Portland, Oregon, we have three bears. Zach Pullman. What's going on, three bears? BFR West in the house. I am on my second day of bachelorhood. Like, my wife and kids are all out doing fun shit. I'm stuck here working. But um, it's been kind of okay. Man, I really wish that I I didn't get a chance to do it today, but I wanted to do the drop of Gabriel Kidd saying, fuck you, because it would have been perfect to drop right there when Zach told me that he's on his second day of Bachelorette. (laughs) Fuck you. Uh, Vice is sitting in tow tonight, too, over here in steamy St. Charles, Missouri. It's hot outside. 
I don't know what it's like up there in Portland. What's the weather like up there in Portland, Zach? Tell us. Paint a picture. Uh, warm, dry, and uh, just a faint hint of uh, smoked fentanyl. <laughs> horny Thursday. Uh, so, uh, a bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. Guys, I was looking at the G1, the G1 blocks today, and I was thinking about the G1 getting ready for our big G1 preview. I sent you guys a text message. We're going to do have a little bit of predictions later, but I sent you in the text message, it's the most wonderful <laughs> time of the year. It's the actual WrestleMania. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait for it to start on Saturday. I can't wait to start this podcast. Let's get going with that three count. One, two, three. <laughs> JCB, kick it off. Lord have mercy. Buckle up, everybody. Um, let's talk uh, WWE. Uh, obviously, the biggest story, the, <laughs> the biggest, longest angle feels like in creation. I'm glad I watched it non-live because I, I'd have been like, damn, this motherfucker's still going on. Obviously, the opening of SmackDown is the tribal court of Roman Reigns. I'm with Roman on this one. How you... How, I'm the tribal chief, and you call it tribal court is beyond even me, but neither here nor there. Obviously, it's to set up the SummerSlam match with Jey Uso. Now, I would assume Jey Uso and Roman Reigns and obviously knock Jimmy out of the picture here for a little bit. I was kind of wondering how they were going to do this because the Roman Reigns theme, I guess, for lack of a better term when it comes to his booking is that he always has the advantage, always has the advantage. It's the numbers game, whatever you want to call it. Now, it, it was definitely now two on two, even Steven, and now you have Jay Uso with a tiebreaker of sorts, if you will, getting the first pin on Roman in three and a half years. Obviously, Jay, well, I shouldn't say that. We should rewind the tape a little bit. Um, I got to, once again, I got to give kudos to Roman Reigns. I never thought I would see Roman Reigns shed a tear, much less do it on command. Kudos there. The low blow, didn't necessarily see it coming, but I thought there was going to be some fuckery coming around. Low blow kicks everything off. Jimmy gets hurt in the scrum, and now Roman once again has the man advantage, so to speak. Um, Jay coming back at the end obviously sets up what's probably going to be the SummerSlam main event here in a few weeks. Jay is the perfect guy at the perfect time right now. We're, I was always I've said that SummerSlam to me was the deadline. I don't care what Roman did on a dark show defending the title against Rey Mysterio. No disrespect, Rey Mysterio, but we didn't see it. I, so as far as I'm concerned, you can tell me about it, but it's, it could be a, a, a match in the 1940s. If I didn't see it, as far as I'm concerned, it didn't exist. So in this scenario, this is the right person at the right time. Will Jimmy come back is the biggest question as far as I'm concerned. Neither here nor there. The next few weeks should be interesting to see how they book Jay going forward because Jay is the one guy that has beat Roman. So now how do you book it? We'll see how that happens. But obviously, what, Tribal Court went like 45 minutes, way overdue. Ooh, it was I've long. I've seen, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 40 minutes of that was just Roman's entrance. <laughs> I've got eight things down for SmackDown, and two of them were bloodline-related. So, yes, deeply invested. They could have probably narrowed this down a little bit, but they let it ride. So, neither here nor there. Bloodline's still the highest story in WWE, so you got to let them go with it. So, Zach, there you go. what do you think about this segment? Yeah, 
SmackDown again, must see TV, and um, I, that's pretty much what I'm tuning in for. So I don't really care. It could be two hours, uh, sprinkle a couple matches in between. The rest of it's just bloodline shit, but it stays interesting. But uh, I do really enjoy the layers and the fact that everybody has a part to play, and then we're setting things up for down the road all the time. Well, that's the best part of this bloodline angle because. You know, we can see, obviously, Jay and Roman at SummerSlam, kind of as we predicted. And then, but we still got Jay and um, Solo, right? Um, maybe that's a roadblock that he has to go through. Maybe that's for afterwards. And then, you know, they're kind of planting the seeds of Solo, you know, leaving Roman. Like the whole idea of Roman kind of slowly losing everything before he loses the titles. Um, it's a pretty great story. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, really enjoyed Friday. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really, like, even if Jay fights Roman at SummerSlam, which seems to be the way they're going, is there, the end is not in sight to this Bloodline stuff. Like, I see them writing it out to WrestleMania, like, actually, um you know, they can if they do it like this where they get forty five minutes worth of T V that I am watching and they just I mean, it's three yards in a cloud of dust in terms of how far they're moving the the uh the story forward, then I mean, why wouldn't they keep milking it? Apparently these Roman segments are doing gangbusters on the rating side. I you know what more can you say about this? Yeah, uh, they found a creative way to get there. They definitely, I mean, Roman, definitely, you could see that he's been on a few more movie sets than the other guys because it looked like he actually shed a tear. You know, it looks like he was doing some some method, some Meisner method shit in there. Like he's been spending time with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. I, I do, uh, I think that everybody needs to cool it on the let's give these guys Emmys front like <laughs> like it's it's good for uh you know it's it's good for wrestling yes but it it, it is there 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 are elements of drama in wrestling and there are elements of wrestling in drama but they are two different types of art forms let's we don't we don't want to get into that conversation it's not like it's not like Roman is as good as uh Jeremy Strong on succession or anything like that you know he's he's better than he's better than edge you know that's that's about what I can say, uh, but but listen, I'm into it. I love wrestling, obviously, so I'm not here to bash anybody. I just think everybody needs to cool a little bit. There's only been one performance in wrestling that ever should have competed for an actual acting award, and that was Mark Henry's fake <laughs> retirement yes! with John Cena. When yes, he absolutely worked me. <laughs> he got my ass in the dog. pink suit. Yes, he was sir. shedding tears. Dude, I thought he was done. <laughs> nope, he had plenty more left in the tank. But uh, <laughs> we didn't even set that up. No, like, not at all. That was beautiful. That's so good. I love it, man. Right, That's what, great. What else is going on in the main, uh, just, main roster? Just back down really quick. Uh, the next biggest thing, at least in my mind, was the Grayson Waller uh, segment with Edge where I kind of felt like sooner or later we were going to get Grayson Waller in the ring. I knew he was hurt with a leg injury, knee injury, whatever the case may be. Slowly but surely, I knew we were going to get Grayson Waller, and finally Edge pulled his punk card. So we got Grayson Waller versus Edge later on in the show. I thought this was – if you've never seen Grayson Waller, I thought this was 
a really good representation of who he is, how he is in the ring. All this stuff with his show was just maybe like the appetizer. To me, this is the main course because this will now make the show more effective, make him the heel that I think he's going to ultimately be on SmackDown mid-card to upper mid-card heel with his own show. The Miz, but can that has more athleticism than the Miz got, and I love the Miz, the, the Miz could possibly have. And he's good. But Grayson Waller's on a totally different level. I think this was the start of a Grayson Waller run on SmackDown. Uh, what you think, Zach? Normally, I'm not a huge fan of uh, oh the young guy getting the rub by just being in a match and losing to the veteran. But both guys did a really good job with that. And Edge grabbing the microphone afterwards because uh, beforehand he said, you know now you're in the big league, it's time to sink or swim. And Edge is like dog-ass tired from like barely beating him, and he's like, you swam. I was like, oh, okay. Like, he put him over. So, that was cool. Yeah, I, I don't know how big of a fan I am of Michael Cole saying he got the rub from Edge. It's like, that is... He did say that. He totally he? said it. Yeah, that, like, that's a, that's a shoot term. Like, I don't need that from my announcers at all. I didn't... I, I was... I even I even wrote it down. Rub, comma, Michael Cole, which, I mean, taken out of context, that's probably a pretty strange thing to write on a notebook. But uh, Vince McMahon was probably rubbing furiously because he was penciling his mustache in, and he (laughs) fucked it up as soon as he heard Cole say rub. (laughs) Say that again. I just imagine McMahon, like, penciling his mustache in, listening, watching SmackDown, and fucking Peter's Cole say rub, and he fucking spews off and, like, goes oh, up shit! <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, Grayson Waller and Edge was a, a fun pairing, though, and Edge was the right guy to have in there with Grayson Waller, the right guy to, uh, the right guy to have a match with, and, frankly, I was a big fan of this segment. Uh, what else we got? Um... Next biggest thing, probably the the only thing that we, we talked about on SmackDown was the, the I guess what feels like is going to be a triple threat, but not just yet. Oscar comes out to get attacked by Bianca, who then gets attacked by Charlotte, and then you had EO Sky potentially cashing in on um, Oscar, where you had Bailey there, but Bailey may may have not been there. Whatever the case may be, so obviously. We're going to have a title match tomorrow night, Oscar versus Bianca. I would assume that this would end in some sort of fuckery where we have to carry it over once again, and ultimately the end game at SummerSlam would be a triple threat. Now, the fly in the ointment, obviously, is EO Sky. Does she cash in? When does she cash in? Is this a tease to... EO becoming a part of this triple threat a la Seth Rollins, making it a failure to four-way, or does she wait until the very end until someone wins and then swoops in from behind, and then obviously you have the Bailey effect. If you let this thing play itself out, I think you can make this thing a, a nice secondary story to the bloodline because everything's secondary to the bloodline. But this, is a, this could be a nice little running two- or three-month scenario where if you want it – EO to cash in. I guess that's ultimately the question. When does EO cash in successfully or not? At some point, she's going to have to pull somebody's punk card and see what happens. So I guess that's the first question. When does she cash in? And secondly, 
at some point we're going to have to get out of this mosh pit of Oscar, Bianca, and Charlotte to get one champion to where now you can start moving the rest of the division along. I know this is not a, great, a fantastic subject on this podcast after last week's episode, but unfortunately something to talk about, so I'll let you guys have it. What do you think, Zach? I'm just glad that Theo still has the briefcase. <laughs> like it's fine to tease, and uh, I think the likely thing is that she, you know, catches in on Oscar. At least I think that's what a lot of people think. But I really enjoy the tease, and I just uh, want that to continue. Um, I don't necessarily think she has to be in the mix, an outlier. So, but um, just like a couple weeks ago, same thing with Damian Priest. Just uh, you know. Let's just pump the brakes on the cash in. That's all. All I'm asking. Yeah, I don't want to jump ahead, but I was. It was nice to see Judgment Day get back on the same page for a week with each other. Uh, that seemed like, uh, you know, I think we're good on that. Let's let's keep the Judgment Day together for a while. They're they're a big deal and they're cool. Um, in terms of EO, I'm with Zach. I'm just glad they didn't do it. You know, call me old fashioned, but old fashioned. I become. I become, uh, you know, accustomed to the, oh, here comes the money in the bank holder. They're handing it to the referee, and they're saying they're cashing in, and the referee's saying, what? And then the guy's like, or the guy or girl's like, I'm cashing in, and the referee's like, what? <laughs> and they're like, hey, I'm cashing in right now. And the referee's like, that's what this briefcase is? What are you telling me? And then the person has to say, there's actually a contract in here right. that gives me a title shot at any time. And the referee's like, seriously? When did this happen? Uh, it's been happening for about 20 years. And then the referee, <laughs> after about five minutes, thinks about ringing the bell, but then somebody gets taken out. Uh, call, call me crazy. I'm a fan of it. I like crazy. it. Crazy. What? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you want to do what with this thing again? <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me think about it for a second. You sure you want to do this? <laughs> All right, what happened on Raw? Anything? Uh, no, you you kind of segue to it. Judgment Day, obviously, not on the same page. I'm keeping, in. It, I'm keeping it moving, man. We got G1 to get to, baby. We're going to talk about the G1 for it. Obviously not giving uh, on the same page, but ultimately backstage, Finn and Damian Priest decide that Finn will get the first shot at Seth Rollins and whatever happens, basically Damian Priest is the uh, safety net, so to speak. If, if if things go awry where Seth ultimately wins that match, you still have the money in the bank briefcase. So it's now all about Judgment Day, which hopefully will at least last for a little while longer. We'll see what happens. Uh, from there, you had probably the next biggest angle would be Cody and Dirty Dom Mysterio. I like to call him the notorious Dominic Mysterio, but that's just me. Um, he and Cody were going to have, were set to have a rematch, but then obviously Judgment Day comes out, gets involved. KO and Sammy make the save. So now that would be a six-man um, title, not even a six-man title, but a six-man main event on Raw. From that point, um, the Ricochet and Logan Paul segment, I guess, is the, probably the stopping point to where I'll let you guys talk about it first, and then I'll take it on the back end. Zach, what'd you think? Thank you. I'm still thinking about how you like to call Dominic Mysterio the notorious Dom. Um, it's a play on words. Anyway. The do the dom you know it's we know who the the, the dom in that uh, relationship is duh come on man what what for you? anyway <laughs> funny. Uh, so yeah the Logan Paul ricochet thing I think is 
a big match because Logan Paul has historically been in very big matches, and his whole gimmick pretty much is to look really excellent and lose, just like most rookies, uh, but he's kind of a big star as a rookie. Uh, but this is one where he can look excellent and win. Uh, and I thought Ricochet really held his own. He did the fun flip over the top rope to the floor thing. And um, he doesn't normally talk that much into the microphone, but he did a good job in the time that he was given. So, uh, he, you know, he didn't fuck it up. Like, this is the most highest profile thing he's ever done in his whole fucking life. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, that, that's cool. I I mean, wow. I really want people to realize that uh, wow. this is not a big push for Ricochet. But no, is, uh, no. Yeah, he's just getting set up to, to lose Logan Paul. Yeah, without question. I, I, I'll go ahead and just uh, give you my SummerSlam prediction on that right now. <laughs> we can mail that joker in. <laughs> I was a big fan of the segment. I thought it was really good. I thought that Ricochet was really good. He kind of eased his way into it, and it got better as it went along. I thought that Logan Paul – Selling the flip by slowly lowering his sunglasses was fucking money, like super money, and uh, I was a big fan of it. Um, I forget what else you said. I'm going to go kiss the baby goodnight, though, so keep it going, Jason. Um, I'll just say this. I'll, with Logan Paul pulling his sunglasses down, Velveteen Dream in NXT when, he, when Ricochet – did it originally, um, same spot, just different, you know, sides or whatever the case may be. I I get where, well, no, I mean it's it's, it's you know he jumped when you look at the camera, hard camera, on Raw, uh, he jumped to our left on NXT when he was feuding with Velveteen Dream. Originally, he jumped to to the right. Neither here nor there. Both spots were were dope. The, when he did it the second time on Raw, I was just kind of like, okay, we kind of seen this, man. No, I get it, but we kind of seen it. Logan, Logan Paul sold it very well. Go ahead, Bo. The only difference is that uh, Ricochet wasn't grooming at this point. And hell no. <laughs> <laughs> man, you ain't shit, dog. Um, I, I, I'm actually interested in this match. I think this is going to be one of the more athletic matches of the night. I'm not going to sit, sit here and say it's going to steal the show, but it should be interesting to see how it is booked. From that point, um, Zoe Starks beats Becky Lynch with obvious fuckery going on. Cody announces that he wants to challenge Brock again for a, a SummerSlam match. We'll wait. Oh, there's got to be a step with that. So we'll see what happens there. Miz versus Ciampa in a no DQ match. Bronson Reed once again helps out Miz with the assist. Miz goes over Ciampa. I don't necessarily have a problem with this. With at least the finish of the match, I have a problem with how Bronson Reed is being booked. I'm not asking him to be pushed up to the top of the card, but we've seen this dance before. Bronson Reed has helped Miz out not once, but now twice. And nothing came out of it the first time. So, Zach, I'll throw it to you. Is something going to come out of this episode this time, where now Bronson Reed has not one, but two markers for Miz to possibly cash in down the line? Uh, I don't know. I actually didn't uh, see this bit. Um, I don't know if I edited out of my, my version. Um, you know, I see Bronson Reed um, 
you know, like uh, there's no. Okay, better you know, choice of words. Better choice of words. So Bronson Reed obviously doesn't have a direct line to the title. He's not the Money in the Bank winner. Um, on Raw, it feels like we're kind of going towards Gunther Drew for the Intercontinental Championship. Is Bronson Reed the recipient of that winner? Where does Bronson Reed go from this point? I'll I'll, give, I'll go with that. Yeah, um, that's kind of the direction I was, I was going anyways. I think that he's just approaching like a, a mid-card challenge. Um, and depending on, you know, the situation with Gunther, um, I mean, that could be a fun match. Uh, either one of them would be a fun match. I don't necessarily think he wins. Just the fact that he's on Raw. Like, SmackDown, I could see him beating Austin Theory, right? But yeah. that Intercontinental, I just um, I think he's on the wrong brand to really uh, do too much. But um, he will challenge for that title, I imagine. That's kind of the direction I'd, I'd have him. I was kind of surprised to hear Miz beat Ciampa just because uh, Miz had not won a match this year. And it is July. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Stop. So what you're saying is the Miz, since the start of the 2023 calendar year, has not won a single match. Unless you count that thing with Shane McMahon where he he blew out his ACL or blew his quad or whatever. I think he last his last one before that I think was November. What? Wow. Okay. I'm not going to say that I. Bo, jump in here, man. I'm I'm at a loss of words. I'm. Do you do you think that's? I've had I've had more COVID shots than Miz has won matches. All righty <laughs> then. <laughs> I'll take that for fact. And he's not even boosted. <laughs> And I'm still sick as fuck. That's comedy <laughs> fucking central. That's crazy. Since November. Wild as hell. I would have never thought that in a million years. Actually, here comes Tom Brady himself. We'll just we'll put him on the spot. So two beer oh I'm sorry, three beer just dropped in this little nugget on on us. I'll let you repeat that for uh Bill since he just pulled up. Go ahead. Uh actually I'll just ask him when do you think so Miz beat Champa uh, on Raw. When do you think the last time it was that Miz won a match? Before that period. Like, yeah, like yeah. Just last yes, time. the last time Miz won the match. Uh, what month is this? this is July? I'll say November. Uh, I heard it was November, but I'm looking at. Uh, cage match and cage match actually has oh yeah it was I guess it was November it was uh, he beat Dexter Loomis and actually that was December it looks like December he yeah. beat Dexter Loomis but he beat Dexter Loomis so Dexter Loomis could go up the card because Dexter Loomis has just been shot to the moon ever since <laughs> <laughs> yeah and actually that was a ladder match so it wasn't even really like a win the last time he beat anybody it was Gargano so him and he's really got it out for fucking DIY yeah, he kills DIY uh, yeah but yeah it was uh, November 7th so yeah way to go 
You did it. Thank you. Yeah, that was thank you. Well played. I was getting ready to say thank you. <laughs> well played again. Your boy uh, Chad Gable in the house. Um, Rhea and uh, Raquel backstage have a little stare down. Feels like that's going to be the next match on Real Ripley's dance card. We'll see what happens, how that plays out here in a little bit. Um, not even going to talk about uh, Sonya and Chelsea going over Caden and Katana. No big deal. Main event time, Seth, KO, and Sammy versus the Judgment Day. And this is all guys at this point. I know people want to put Rhea Ripley in in this scenario, not just yet. Um, Judgment Day goes over, which kind of cements their walk over to NXT. Kind of not even cements their walk to – well, cements their walk to NXT at least heals the bonds between Finn and Damian Priest as they kind of team up to defeat the babyfaces. So now Judgment Day feels like they could be the next in line for KO and Sammy to be determined. Seth and Finn feels like that's going to be a SummerSlam match to be determined. A lot of things with Judgment Day coming around, and I'll – and I'll say this, as the bloodline kind of declines, this is why I want to see Judgment Day kind of stay around. They will now be the top heel faction no matter what happens when the bloodline finally declines. Keep them around. Keep Damian Priest on board however you need to do it. Walk with that and have Judgment Day be from where they were under Vince to the top heel faction under WWE, under Triple H's regime. That's just me. Zach, anything to say about this? Yeah, I mean, people that want Judgment Day to break up are the fucking same kids that sat down at the cafeteria lunch table and ate their dessert. First fucking thing. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we cannot yeah. we can, we cannot get that drop because that that might have broke me right there. <laughs> it's a little early for me to be spitting out beer. That's funny. Yeah, let's keep it going. They had a they had a good night on NXT too. Um, uh, judgment Night, or sorry, Judgment Night. <laughs> judgment Night. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Uh, for those like of you, for those of you old enough to remember, that was a movie with the soundtrack that mixed rap and rock. That wow. was just mind blowing in nineteen ninety one. No shit. Helmet and House of Pain are doing the song together. What Shut the, the fuck? fuck up. <laughs> Faith No More and the Booyah Tribe. What? Um, but they did show up uh, and fucked around with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Um, in the main event, it was Damian Priest versus Trick Williams, and the announcer on Vic Joseph, the announcer on NXT, talked about how Damian Priest, if he wanted to, could cash in on Carmelo Hayes. And I was like, oh, my God, if they do that, I'm going to be so fucking mad. <laughs> but, I never even thought that was going to happen. Never, it, uh, never even crossed my mind. I think the big... The big takeaway from NXT, if you guys watched it or if you didn't watch it, but the big takeaway from NXT was the Ilya Dragunov versus Braun Breaker match, which was a bruiser. Uh, Ilya Dragunov has the type of offense. First of all, he sells like like Dolph Ziggler throwing a tantrum or something. Like he like <laughs> he looks like he's gonna hurt himself the way that he sells. Like even worse than the per the, even worse than the actual move. Kayfabe style is supposed to hurt him. But uh, plus, I got to say, Braun Breaker, god damn, really coming into his heel character. He calls himself badass Braun Breaker. I'm not I'm not sure if that's got staying power. Um, it's a little lame. But the way that he acts and the promos he cut, the promos that he cuts as a heel are getting more and more comfortable. It doesn't look like he's 
just cosplaying as a as like a Steiner legacy act anymore. It seems like he's becoming his own guy. I'm I was a big fan of this match. Obviously, Dragunov can go. My feelings are on record about Braun Breaker. Did you see this, Jason? Uh, yes, I did. I, I told you I was going to watch. Um, I agree with you totally. Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes will be very interesting. Braun Breaker in the background smells like a possible triple threat down the line. We'll see what happens. But this, the physical match itself, I thought this was the perfect two guys to put up against each other. I haven't really seen the Braun Breaker Babyface run. I'm trying to go back and watch that here in a little bit. But this heel run, I like heels in general. So this Braun Breaker, I agree with you. The the badass Braun Breaker, not a huge fan of that shit. But neither here nor there. He overcomes the bad moniker to make him feel like a legitimate heel to, to be dealt with at some point, whether it's a triple threat or not. Zach, did you get a chance to see this? I would have loved to, but uh, I went to a concert last night. So Who'd you see? I saw Between the Buried and Me. Oh, I've seen them before, actually. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was awesome. Right on. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else about WWE or NXT that you guys want to talk about? Uh, no, I'll, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> it's your podcast, Jason. Anything that you want to talk about? I, I'll just say this. A 7% of AEW television was dedicated to the ladies. I see at least one, two, three, four segments on NXT that had ladies to it. You bring in math in here, Big Papa Pump? Hey, man. 7%? I, hey, I saw it on Twitter. I'm just repeat, or regurgitating the shit. That's all. Let's get to that too. <laughs> One, two, three. Three beer. What's the two count? Uh, two count. A bunch of stuff happened on AE Dub. Um, Collision Show opened with a punk promo. Uh, it was not particularly noteworthy. Just setting up his match with Joe later on, which is noteworthy. But we did have a couple uh, semi-final matches. We had uh, Ricky Starks beating Powerhouse Hobbs, and this was a solid match. They wrestled before, and they obviously have good chemistry. You know, they were in a group tag team for a while, um, but this was kind of nice for Starks to, to get a win, even though I thought Hobbs was going to do it, but they are doing more with Hobbs because uh, the kind of finish was setting up his departure from uh, QTV, uh, or if that's the if that's the group name, I don't know if that's what the segments are called, but that's the group name. Basically, QT was fucking around, and Hobbs found out and uh, caused him to to be distracted and lose. So, uh, and Ricky Starks advances to the finals to face the winner of Camp Punk and Mojo, which uh, we'll talk about here in a minute. No, I agree with you too, Beer. I was the same way. I expected Hobbs to go over, especially when it's the classic, and this is the AEW portion of the program where I just don't understand where the baby faces are walking in to a heel, against the heel, and the heels have, like, you know, three or four people at ringside, and the baby face is like, well, fuck it, and, you know, I'm just going to take these guys out all by myself. I'm like, dude, come on. I mean, damn. At some point. That's not really an AEW thing, though. It's, I it's mean, a wrestling thing. Yeah, but baby faces are dumb, but, except okay, for KO. Obviously. But in this scenario, you you did it twice in in two different scenarios. Uh, Sky Blue 
versus Ruby was later on on Dynamite, and then you did it here on Collision. Look, I don't care about, you know, AEW does this. It's just the fact that AEW has done it twice, and I just so happen to recognize the fact that it happens. Neither here nor there. Surprised that Powerhouse Hobbs lost. I thought this is going to be at least where you had Hobbs versus CM Punk because obviously CM Punk, Joe, will talk about that here in a little bit. But this just felt like this would be a time to kind of help Powerhouse Hobbs, but Ricky Starks needs helps too. So it was kind of one of those scenarios where somebody needed to go over and they both needed to go over. Ricky Starks to me was a surprise, but it was a, it was a pleasant surprise. It was just a surprise. Uh, yes. So, oh, um, sorry, I was go ahead. trying not to cough. Uh, I like this match. I like both these guys. I'm not sure about turn. Like, I, it looks like they're going to turn Hobbs babyface now. Seems a little quick. Like, I don't think they did enough with him as a heel. I, I, no, I don't think they're turning him babyface. Uh, th- this was like the Jericho thing last week, where you guys were like Jericho's turning babyface. I think let's just. Let's point. Let it play itself what, out. I'm not sure if that's what we said, but let me uh, let, let me point out. You know, maybe it's what I said. I don't know. I'm not drinking. I don't remember anything now. I used to remember okay, some wait, stuff oh, when I was drinking. Hang on, man. <laughs> I say you can't use that excuse for every damn time, man. What the I, fuck? If Pick I'm drinking, choice. I use that as an excuse. If I'm not drinking, I use, use that, that as an excuse. excuse. Okay, uh, I know the rules now. Go I ahead. do have to say something that kind of bothers me about Ricky Starks. It doesn't bother me about the performer. So much, but the decision to have the spear as a finisher has never sat well with me with little guys. Like spears should only be for big guys. Is am I on an island with that, or do you guys agree with that, or what? I think uh, shoot style they would hurt real bad regardless, but they don't look particularly punishing from a small guy, especially whenever it's a small guy hitting a big guy. So I don't know. I, I guess agree. I guess I just. We're just so accustomed to seeing the big guy doing the spear, Roman Reigns, Goldberg. WCW Nitro lines. was what got me into wrestling after my childhood fandom. It was Goldberg on Nitro. And I remember when Edge started doing the spear, and I was like, he's not big enough to do the spear. <laughs> and I mean, and Edge is a pretty fucking big they guy. Do. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I don't I mean, know. Just, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. I just, the Rochambeau to me was his. In my head is Ricky Stark's finisher. But he won this with a spear, right? Agreed. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, what else, Zach? Uh, we had a couple, like, segments, just kind of like uh, promo segments and stuff, setting up matches like uh, Willow Nightingale and Athena. Uh, we had, um, like, Malachi Black uh, talking about Andrade. We had Andrade talking about Malachi Black. So these are things that are set up uh, for down the line. We'll see how how those play out, but uh, a big chunk of the show was taken up by an AW World Tag Team title Eliminator match, and to my knowledge, it's the first time they've described the Eliminator match in such a way uh, where I don't know if it's all Eliminator matches or if it was just this one, but it was Jay White and Juice Robinson's the Bullet Club Gold uh, versus FTR, and if Bullet Club Gold lost, then they would be unable to challenge FTR during this reign. Uh, but they did not lose. They wrestled them for like, I think it was like almost a half an hour maybe. It was a 28-minute match. Yeah, and uh, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, badass. Like, kind of unsurprisingly, really, whenever you think about it. But uh, going into this, I was like, oh, that's going to be good. And then I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is really good. 
Uh, I mean, we've yeah. had some pretty excellent tag team matches, but this is in the top ten tag team matches of the year so far. I mean, the tag if we really break it down, the tag team match quality in the last three years has taken a huge step up. And I'm talking all across wrestling. Like, it has just gotten better and better and better. So much so, it's kind of, I kind of feel like we're the frog in the boiling pot of water. It's like we, it's happened so gradually that we haven't even realized. I mean, last year we had those three FTR Briscoe matches that were all Stone Cold classics. No doubt. We had Aussie Open kind of come onto the scene. We had the Usos become some of the, like, a big fucking deal. We have the Young Bucks fighting in matches on television all the time with all sorts of people. And now we have FTR's run. I mean, I don't know. It's been pretty badass lately. I can't dis- disagree. Oh, yeah. um, it's not perfect and nothing not it ever is, but... It's when you break it down like that. It's you have a very, very good point. Aussie Open, I think, is the one team that I don't think any of us really saw that would be a breakout team. And now, once you get Mark Davis back, I think they'll be one of the teams we'll we'll be talking about again. So, I mean, before AEW started, we didn't even know that it was an that it was like an option to be able to see the Luch brothers on free television every week. <laughs> like it's kind of fucking nuts. <laughs> no, I, I can't, I, I can't disagree with that. It's, but we haven't seen the Luch brothers in a while. And that, I guess I, but we saw them for a long time. No, I'm not, look, I'm trying to be, you know, grateful in one hand, but you know, Hey, TK, Luch brothers are always tag team champs. Can we do something with him? Yes, uh, no, maybe so. So this sets up a two out of three falls match next week on Collision also, which uh, second week in a row, it's going to be must-see TV. Um, That's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, it's good to see FTR back to defend the titles. Um, I will agree with you, Zach, that the stipulation before the match is the same one that I, I remember hearing, and my thought process was, you know, I could see – Jay White and Juice winning and then letting the Guns have the title match since the Guns have the win over FTR, fuckery or no. Um, this is fine, too. I mean, shit. As long as we see, you know, three good matches in a two out of three falls scenario, I don't care who wins ultimately. I mean, shit, FTR can win. Jay and Juice can win. I would be good either way. I, I just want to see a good story being told as we go along. What else we got, Zach? Yeah, I really like the tag team because I think I think Jay and Juice, um, they've both got charisma like in very different ways. And uh I think I mean honestly, uh a title change here would be pretty cool. I think it would make collision a little bit more uh kinda, hey, you gotta fucking tune in because we might change the fucking tag titles. Like it would also um, put all three tag titles the NJPW Juniors, the NJPW Heavyweight, and the AEW, all three tag belts, all six tag belts would be on Bullet Club. That's pretty cool. Um, and uh, so I'm kind of rooting for mm. Bullet Club Gold here, even though, I mean, FTR is the premier tag team in uh, AEW right now. Young Bucks have kind of been doing more trios, and like they haven't really done a lot of just pure tag team matches. So FTR has been really kind of shouldering that weight and um but you know let them uh you know let's, let's try something out I'm, you know i'll be rooting for them 
Could be a Bullet Club summer. Uh, yeah, DC summer. Um, uh, I'll, I'll hold that thought. I'll let you, let you talk about Dynamite, and then we can talk some fancy booking afterwards. Right on. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, there were, some, there were a couple other matches in here that, you know, kind of mid-card matches, Scorpio Sky, Action and Dreddy, uh, Julia uh, Squash the Chick. Uh, but really kind of uh, moving it along, we had uh, the main event was the tournament semifinal with CM Punk and Joe. Uh, this was uh, super solid. Um, you know, they had pushed the idea that Punk had never beat Joe. And so that kind of made me think, and also with Punk being arguably the biggest star in the company, that he was going to beat Joe uh, this time. But I did like how it happened. Basically, he just squeaked it out. He, he did a roll-up. It was not a very decisive victory. And then uh, Joe, you're talking about, like, good actors in wrestling. Joe's a fantastic one. And uh, basically, you know, offered offered the handshake and then just immediately fucking cooked and clutched him. And uh, that sets up for, you know, another match uh, down the road, you know, whether it's, Maybe Punk wins the title. Joe, uh, you know, challenges for it. Maybe it's for Joe's ROH TV title. Um, who knows? But uh, overall, um, really enjoyed this match. It's different than their other matches, which makes sense because those were like 20 fucking years ago. Uh, not really, but pretty close. Uh, and, uh, yes, yeah, so I know we have CM Punk versus Ricky Starks. And uh, obviously Punk being the big favorite. Um, I could also see Punk himself maybe wanting to throw Ricky a bone and put him over in this. Because like you said, Ricky Stark does kind of need something and him having the Owen Hart, um, it's not like a, it's not like a belt you carry around all year. It's evidenced by Adam Cole and Britt Baker, but uh, it is uh, it is kind of a, a, a nudge in that direction. So uh, it's an interesting match and I'm, I'm here for it. Jason, what do you think about that match? Um, <clears throat> the one that happened and the one that's coming up. The one that happened, I thought was, I agree with Zach. It, I was thinking about how Joe is going to lose this match, and he had been booked so strong on ROH, um, just dominant across the board. So now you have this match against Punk, and I was kind of 99% sure I, Punk was going to win. How you do it was the question. The roll-up was perfect. It kind of you know protects Joe on the back end. If I ever thought that, well, I was questioning if Punk was a babyface or a heel. He's totally a babyface because he did the babyface dumbass move and shook Joe's hand, so he should get choked out. Now, that being said, uh, Ricky Starks coming out to maybe help, not maybe help, is a interesting proposition. Um, I still would be surprised if Ricky Starks won. If he did, then what? Punk feels like a more of a guy where he can take this and and jump this and move this forward. I don't. I just don't think there's a plan for Ricky Starks. If there is, I'd love to see it. But if you had me gun to head, I would say CM Punk wins. Yeah, I'm gonna pick CM Punk. Um, Ricky Starks. I mean, CM Punk is your star. They're obviously pushing him, pushing him as a massive baby face. And the way to get him over as a baby face is, no, you know what? I'm changing my pick. I'm picking Ricky Starks. Uh, Joe's going to come in and cocaine and clutch him again or something. That's my pick. No, completely fair. Can that easily happen? 
I would love to see it. Another Joe and uh, Punk get, match I would love to see as well, but later than sooner. Yeah, we set up uh, an interesting show for next week's collision, and I mean, it's tough. I don't, I've never watched one of these live, but um, I, with all the wrestling that's going on, I've still watched it every single week because they've been presenting and promoting interesting shows, so uh, I'll definitely watch this shit next week and look forward to it. Joey O'Farrell's wrong, though. It's not the number one show. It's not bigger than Dynamite. <sighs> Did he say it was bigger than Dynamite? It was a hot take before you uh, we, yeah, we Joe, called you or whatever the case may be. I was trying he to get Joe it, off I was the like, phone. Oh, shit. <laughs> and he just starts giving his opinions about everything, and I'm like, Joey, we got Zach. <laughs> now, you, now you open it up. You open it <laughs> That's up. That's the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> He's about to say, don't sit up here and throw that man underneath the bus. You asked him, you got any opinions you want to throw out here? And he threw it out there. It was a hot take, and I ain't mad at him for it. I'm not saying I totally agree with him, but I see what he's talking about. Well, what happened on Dynamite this week? It's like when you tell your wife, like, look, if you're just mad at me, just tell me why you're mad at me and don't give me the silent treatment. And then she just lays in you and you're like, oh, my God, it was so much better when she wasn't talking. <laughs> <laughs> you see me saying, I'm not even married. I was like, I'm shaking my head. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you fucked up. You know you don't fucked up, right? <laughs> obviously, obviously, I'm joking, everybody. You guys should communicate your problems at least to a healthier adult relationship. Uh, anyway. Uh, Chris Jericho and Commander uh, opened this dynamite, and this was exactly what I had expected when I saw this match book, which is uh, Jericho uh, not putting over a young guy, but getting a young guy over. Uh, Commander is probably like, I don't know, this is, I don't know about high profile, but this is probably like his his most uh, veteran like type match like the, the biggest star he's ever been in the ring with I'm, I'm assuming yeah uh, because of his age and Jericho is such a huge star but uh, basically uh, the whole I and I really liked how they talked about how uh, Tony Schiavone talked about it like Jericho has been wrestling on TBS wrestling luchadors on TBS for fucking 30 years almost so uh, it was uh, pretty cool and uh, you know Commander did all this shit and uh, Jericho you know the Wiley veteran. He tried too many high spots and uh, Jericho had it scouted out. And uh, so really kind of the main impetus for this though is opening with this is for Don Callis to come out and kind of move that story forward. So again, I just got to plug Don Callis's not intro music, but just the ominous tone that he comes out to. <laughs> Fucking great. Pretty funny, man. Pretty funny. And Callis with hair, I'd never seen him with hair. Uh, I so I did like a deep dive on his Wikipedia, and this was a few months ago. And I started googling old pictures of him with hair, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's really <laughs> funny, dude! <laughs> that was that was some great footage, man. Some great footage." No, bad news, Brown. Yeah. Uh, bad news, Allen. For the, uh, in this scenario, but for me, he came into WWE, and he was bad news, Brown. And for somebody. In the 80s, black, heel, and was threatening to be at the top of the card. He definitely stood out. So that was seeing that footage, I didn't know he was Bad News Allen. So seeing Bad News Brown, Don Callis, and Chris Jericho in the ring, I was like, oh, oh, oh shit. <laughs> okay. So right. now this, you know, for me, it just had a different uh, perspective on it, a little different layer. Um up to this point, I thought that Chris Jericho was going to be the 
the fifth member of BCC, loose affiliate, not saying he's joining or whatever the case may be, but the, the dots were started to connect at this point. So as I'm watching it last night, I was like, okay, it's Jericho on the left. It's Koto Ibushi on the right. Easy, speezy, lemon squeezy. Don Callis uh, rules. Yes. We all agree with that. Great. Just fucking rules. We all agree with that. We don't agree that he's better than Paul Heyman, but we all agree that Don Callis rules. Not what we said. It's not we <laughs> we didn't say he was better than Paul Heyman. Right we said now. on this date. Right I would now. rather have this right person now. on my television. Yes. What's next, Zach? Um, not to get into the minutia of uh the show and just to keep it moving, but uh, it's a small segment, but it was very funny. Uh, it's, we've seen this Jungle Boy uh, hook segment where uh, basically, you know, Jungle Boy won't get out of the car, can't, you know. Uh, but this one's very funny because who would have thought that Jungle Boy, his his downfall would be child locks, and he can't get out of the car to run away from Hook. And he's like, no, child lock. Is that the first time we've ever heard Hook talk? No, he's talked before. It's, it's, it's yeah, very. It's, but he hasn't talked much. Yeah, it's quick to the point. Keep it moving. All right. Man, a few words, but uh, exactly. So, uh, anti-JCB so with uh, NJF and Cole. I'm not going to go into the details of, of this, uh, but it was another excellent segment, uh, just kind of showing their their bromance and furthering the storyline that we've already seen. Uh, it was funny because I kind of sheep got mad at Tony Schiavone because they came back from it, and he's like, oh, that's four minutes of my life. I'll never get back. And I immediately got defensive because I enjoyed it so much. And then I realized that he's just being an excellent kayfabe guy because both those guys hate him and make fun of him all the time. So why would he enjoy watching that? Um, I'm sure he secretly did enjoy it. But, um, yeah, really good segment. What did you guys think of the segment? You know, it was pretty entertaining. I enjoyed myself watching it. You know, I, I – I've said in the last couple of weeks that it bothers me that the title holder, the heavyweight belt, your heavyweight champion is part of this angle. But then, you know, this week I was kind of like, well, who gives a fuck? And then I just kind of sat back and uh, thought it was pretty funny. Somebody, I was talking, I was tweeting about it, obviously watching it last night. And, and I said it immediately. I don't like, I don't want to like this but I'm liking this. And every week they're dragging me into more and more where now I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm accepting of what is happening. I'm not saying that Adam Cole is turning heel, but he's warming up to MJF with Roger Strong, you know, as the, the, you know, the angel on the show. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't trust MJF. And he's just like, you know, you know, Roddy, I got this. Don't worry about it. You know, and he's still, following along with MJF. The video game was like the bonding moment where both guys meet in the middle. Are we go ahead, sorry. Are we thinking it's a double turn? No. I think somebody ultimately this is where I was going with it. This is MVP and Matt Hardy back in the day, a WWE style. Same concept, US title involved. Matt Hardy won the challenge MVP. They became a tag team. They won the tag team championships. And as soon as they lost, MVP turns on Matt Hardy. I'm not saying it's getting that far. I'm just saying somehow MJF turns on. Zach, who turns on who? I I was seriously considering this today, the the idea of a double turn. Uh, I was just wondering how, what they would do with like babyface 
MJF is champion. That crowd uh, really wants to cheer work. for him, though. That crowd. They really do. I think they want to cheer for both of them. No, they want to cheer for MJF unironically. They are ready to cheer for him. They, he is right. Because he's just good. They just recognize that he's, he's a yes. great performer. Yeah, they I'm not, appreciate no, him. No, I'm, I, don't, I totally agree with that. In my head, I'm seeing it as the seduction of the dark side. Will Adam Cole fold to the dark side and become heel? I had no thoughts of MJF flipping babyface until you guys just brought this up. All right. Oh, I feel like if it if it happens, if anybody turns, it's a double. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, we can talk about it more with, with the match itself, um, which we'll get to here in a second. Uh, another blind eliminator semifinal. So. Uh, Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara wrestled uh, Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen. Uh, this was a really solid match. I'm glad that I watched the feed that had the old uh, no commercials, though. Yeah. Uh, definitely worthwhile. And, um, yeah, this one, uh, like, Prince Nana came out, and I'm like, what in the actual <laughs> fuck is <laughs> Like... <laughs> I just couldn't. I didn't. I didn't. You said the same the thing I did. I'm like, Dude, what the fuck? Come on. I thought that was on yeah. mushrooms. <laughs> His shirt was on mushrooms. Jesus Christ. Dude, I fucking. I forgot that he was like with Swerve and stuff, and I would have maybe puzzled. I, to- like, I totally. I totally did too. I forgot he was with Swerve. I was like, what the heck? Oh, I knew he's with Swerve, but I mean, it didn't connect until the very end. Even still, I thought it was still well done. He came out and was a nice little distractionary piece, but I, I never put the the dots together until Swerve came out and did the deal. Prince Man, I was putting that in the Tinder bio now. Nice little distractionary piece. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But, he's uh, to my it was a good. <laughs> it was a good way uh, for Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen to lose because they're. Yeah. You think about baby faces in the company, like position strong. I mean, they're, they're separately good. individually very well protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, like Darby Allen and Sting have never lost a fucking match. Orange Cassidy's got like the best title reign in the, almost the history of the fucking company. Darby um, Allen so, and Sting have never lost a tag team match. No. What? Never once. Oh my God. No. Yeah. Why are they number one contenders? I so thought records gonna... matter. <laughs> <laughs> Bazinga. Circle gets the square. But, uh, yeah, so now we've got. Because uh, they know what Sting will on. do in that match. <laughs> Sit your ass down. Okay. <laughs> hey, you remember this, right? You see how you jumped off this ladder and fell short? You ain't getting another chance. You He's just... like, how about I do a shooting star press uh, off the scaffolding? You guys want that? No. <laughs> we're good. good we're, we're good. We are good. It's like trading places. You want me to break something else? No. <laughs> uh, so we had a Nick Wayne video package, and again, I don't want to get bogged down in minutia, but this video package was fucking fantastic. Uh, introduces Nick Wayne, shows him wrestling. He gets to tell his story. Last week, I thought it was weird because Darby Allen's like essentially like speaking for him. But then they actually give they was just like introducing him, and then Nick is able to speak for himself and talk about his dad and how um, he's sitting at the ring at his house. He's literally sitting in the exact same spot where he was whenever his mom told him that his dad had died, you know, a heart attack. 
uh, just really powerful stuff and just made you want to just like this kid. Like maybe you want to like give him a hug, want to give him a hug and just fucking root for him forever in every match that he's, that he's ever going to be in. So I thought it was really well done. And then we had uh, him wrestle uh, Swerve Scott. Uh, Swerve Scott. I did the same thing. <laughs> I did the same thing the other day. Okay, so how'd you? I mean, never mind. Go ahead. I almost couldn't even remember his real name. Swerve um, <laughs> Strickland. Uh, so um, I don't know. Uh, so really was, solid match though with those guys. I know we had matches before, but since we're talking about. Uh, the Nick Wayne thing. I was kind of surprised that uh, he didn't win his debut uh, because, like I said, it would be kind of cool that, for him to have a one, two, three kid moment. He still could, but uh, sort of had just lost last week, so I kind of understand it. Uh, and uh, this is a really solid match. Uh, really good showcase for a brand new babyface, uh, Nick Wayne. I think he's going to be great. So. Yeah, he was really impressive. The match the match was good. I thought the first half of it, I was like, oh, this looks like a very rudimentary, you know, uh, performance center style match with a bunch of arm drags and stuff. And then the uh, the second half of it was turned out to be really fun. And I guess that he and Swerve had fought twice before in Defy. So I guess they're buddies and uh, Swerve probably likes him. Nick Wayne probably likes working with him. And, you know, it's a way to get Swerve a victory for once. Am I right, guys? I mean, what's the deal? I mean, when's the last time he won? It's probably <laughs> fucking since before The Miz. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to let you dig that up with two beer if you want to. Um, Don't give him homework. No, I'm not giving him homework. I'm, I'll, I'll just speak on it real quick. <laughs> um, I didn't. I wasn't surprised. I didn't. I don't think Nick Wayne. He's one of the few guys I don't think that needed to win right away on his debut. Yeah. I think he won just telling the story, putting it out there that he's a baby face on the rise. If you couldn't at least empathize with his story, you ain't got no heart or you got a black heart, whichever it is. Doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, you're yeah, you're Tommaso Ciampa at this point. Um the fact that you had Swerve as his opponent makes sense. Darby or Swerve needed to be his first opponent on the biggest stage arguably he's been on. So that makes him comfortable. The first five or ten minutes, that makes sense too, man. Let's set him in on a big-ass stage. And from that point, it ran the way I usually see a Nick Wayne, Swerve Strickland match go. Like Joey said before we got on the air, the spot of the night is the uh, power bomb off the top where Swerve was getting ready to drop him on his head, it looked like. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, no, no. <laughs> and luckily, he got on his neck and landed on his neck. One, two, three, no big deal. Everybody walks away clean. But, yeah, that was that was definitely scary. They got into their defy wrestling, and that one spot could have screwed everything up. But luckily, everybody walks away clean. Swerve is the right guy to win because I ultimately I think he's the guy that beats Orange Cassidy, so you got to keep him strong. All right, we had the aforementioned tag match: MJF and Adam Cole versus Big Bill and Brian Cage. This was fantastic, not in the sense that it was a great technical wrestling spectacle, but this was MJF playing babyface, 
and Adam Cole playing heel, and MJF managed to get a body slam to be one of the biggest pops of the whole fucking night. Might have been the biggest pop if they wouldn't have said that Kota Ibushi was coming next week. Uh, just masterful stuff. Uh, and whenever they finally hit that double clothesline, fucking Ruth's going to come off of whatever arena that they're in for a double fucking clothesline. Uh, this is excellent, excellent pro wrestling. Uh, Adam Cole comes in, gets the, gets the tag. He does a couple pump kicks, and third one gets blocked, so he fucking pokes Brian Cage in the eye. Just real heel shit. Um, I just love the, the little stuff that they're doing with this. But uh, MJF and Cole go over. Uh, Brian Cage takes the pin, and they're going to move on in the tournament. Jason. Once again, don't want to like it, but I'm, I'll am i be lying if I said I was not entertained. It's totally the way Zach said it. And the fact that Adam Cole is slipping over makes me think that it could happen. Ultimately, it's not. Somewhere, it's probably going to be the the title match against whoever is the winner of Bullet Club Gold FTR. They'll lose that title match, and then that's when you'll have the turn, and you can move that towards uh, Wembley. That kind of makes more sense. Like I said, I don't want to like it, but goddamn, this is good. <laughs> it's really fucking good. MJF doesn't get enough credit, and I'm going to have to say it again. That man is good. He's great character-wise, and we see him improving every time in the ring. It's time to start giving MJF his flowers. The man is good. Dare I say great. I'm going to start every single one of my takes on this show from, from now on. I'm going to say... Who's ready for story time with Bill Vagie, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Boo the heels here. I think right. if MJF didn't have the belt, they would turn this into like a four-month angle. Um, I think that this is leading towards a breakup. I bet I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, man, this is pretty fu- – this is fucking working. Like, we should – just keep this riding, but um, like I said before, I I'm I'm calling the double turn. I'm calling Cole turns on MJF and MJF turns babyface. Love it. Uh, we had a, another Owen Hart semifinal. This one was Ruby Soho who defeated Sky Blue. Uh, not mad about that or anything, but it was extremely dumb that Tony Storm blatantly threw Sky Blue into the ring steps right in front of the referee and instead of a DQ he just fucking tosses her out like I feel like there should like in a match like this I get it where you're just like oh we want to see like a clear winner or like whatever because it's a tournament match but I feel like there's got to be consequences for action um, so I would like to see him DQ here but otherwise it was fine yeah I mean speaking of homework I watched this match uh, what do you think, Jason? <laughs> Unreal, unfucking real. I'll I'll just say this. this: this goes back to my initial point with the baby faces coming out. You know what's going to happen. I mean, shit, it's fucking Ruby Soho. You know who's going to be out there. You couldn't get anybody in the the locker room to just make sure. Hey, make sure these motherfuckers don't touch me. <laughs> 
So okay. Jason's mad at it, kayfabe style. Kayfabe style. That the baby faces can't get their shit together. Even if Sky Blue lost, I wouldn't have been mad about that. The fact that you got the outcast out there and Ruby Soho wins clean is something I always think is good for a heel. At some point, the heel needs to win queen that keeps the heel, whether it's he or she, legitimate. So okay. at any given point, you can say this heel can drop in and you can beat this baby face. Outside of that, the match was what it was. Kind of surprised Sky Blue lost, but neither here nor there. Let me ask the two of you a question. Bo, you can hop in on this. Who is a better rapper? Harley Cameron or John Cena? <laughs> This is a legitimate this is question. This, this, is, this is insane to me because, like, I was waiting for you guys to stop talking about the Owen Hart women so I could ask you, I could ask everybody this exact same fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting high too? Is that true? I'm 100 percent true. Like, I'm just, I'm just sitting here, just waiting. Like, and I was like, oh man, they're gonna love this. Uh, <laughs> So when I started asking the question, were you like, is he going to ask the fucking question? Yeah, I'm just like, you're like, let me ask you a question. I'm like, okay, I just got to wait a little longer. And then you asked that question, he said Harley Cameron. I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. So what's your your answer? I I think it's Harley Cameron, man. Oh, yeah. I I thought it was really good. I thought she was badass. Way better than Cena. What do you think? Jason. Give me a fucking break. It's John Cena, hands down. It's not even close. Do our when you ask me and Zach and Bo, like who's better as a rapper? Do our votes only count three fifths as much? as yours? <laughs> It should. <laughs> but say, we getting some shit back one way or the yeah, other. Reparations. See, in this that's pitch. a reversal. That's a reversal. Your vote counts more. I just had to wait four hundred and some odd years to get to this point, but yes. In this scenario, three fifths of the vote. I still get the, Bo, the winning better, vote. Harley Cameron or John Cena? Well, neither of them are candy snatcher, but I'll take Cena. <laughs> uh, see, if he would have taken Cameron, the white people would have won anyway. You ain't shit. Gerrymandering. Well, I I brought a pre roll, so I'm like bending the curve in our way. <laughs> nice. Um. All right. Uh, anything else to say about the Harley Cameron segment? No. Whenever she was just like spitting so fast, and I was like, "Damn!" And then like I was like, "This sounds like Eminem." And then she's like, "I just quoted Shady." I'm like, "Oh yeah, she absolutely did." Dude, I thought um, she sounded like Crazy Bone. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jason, the look Jason's giving. <laughs> She was real fast. Kind of looked like him too. <laughs> He's so offended. It's like we just asked if we could swim. <laughs> <laughs> you know the answer to that. So we, we got I can't believe you said. Actually, I can. Actually, I can. You that? Oh, we gotta have content kind of guy. Oh, I forgot about this because comment kind of guy. <laughs> What's the? Uh, what was the main event? Um, main event was just. Uh, was it just? Them announcing the the five yeah it was just, that was the end of them announcing the uh, um, five folks uh, the fifth fifth folks so there was a whole thing it was kind of like convoluted where uh, Callis came out and he um, said something about Kenny Omega Kenny Omega comes out 
and uh, Pack hits him in the back of the head with a chair. And I was like, oh, shit, Pack. And I was like, he's the fifth guy. And then they announced him as the fifth guy. And then they're going to do the whole Tillmanizes next thing. It looked like Pack was going to fucking do the Phoenix Flash off the top Tillmanize, which would have definitely murdered him. And uh, they give him some last <laughs> words, which is kind of silly. It's just very pro wrestling. I, I didn't mind. It was just, it was just very pro wrestling and silly. And they give him some last words, and Kenny's like, ha ha, yeah, I've got something to say before I die. <laughs> Look at the screen. <laughs> and so instead of, like, the executioner executing, they all just fucking look at the screen, and, like, they announce Kota Bushi, and they show a video package, and the fucking crowd goes wild, and then the Young Bucks and uh, Adam Page, who are or the Hung Bucks, rather, are had been just dangling that rope, just thinking, like, the, the, the life of their best friend is on the line, and they're like, well, we gotta make a more dramatic entry. So... <laughs> The lights come back on and they do the double super kick. Cage does a double uh, fucking sling. Uh, what, what's his buckshot lariat? Buckshot lariat. Uh, so that's going to be super. That's on free TV next week. It's unbelievable. Next week like a fan- fantastic week for AW. Unbelievable. And they're still going to get as many viewers as NXT level up or whatever it's called. Oh, <laughs> Jesus But it's Christ. just like, I mean, the fans, there's a bunch of hardcore fans. It's hard for them to get new fans. I hope I hope this Saturday show does it like somebody oh, will just, man. some meat bucket that used to watch it in college or something will have it on and he'll be like, well, I know CM Punk. And he'll be like, God damn, this shit fucking rules because they'll have it on beforehand or something. I mean, hopefully it gets some new viewers. I thought this segment fucking ruled. I'm with Zach. It was very pro wrestling, but I loved how pro wrestling it was. <laughs> it was like the. It was almost like the Blackpool Combat Club was like getting ready to explain like their plan for world domination. <laughs> Austin Powers, <laughs> like, as well as while, I the, do, while the young if you bucks don't jump and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Come on, man. Right. It's like the young bucks are like, oh, they're. they're Crowd's gonna go crazy, but like K Face style, like <laughs> Zach's right, Kenny Omega is almost dead. <laughs> I was sitting there watching this shit, like, so hey. I was. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was, my bad. I was watching no, this. At, I was watching this at work, and you know, I usually just have it on in front of me on my iPhone while I'm typing away and uh, emailing and shit. And I don't know what the people around me think I'm doing, but like, I just go, oh. Like when Pat came out, I was like, "Oh!" And then uh, Abushi and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Fucking very cool. I did. Abushi was one of those things I wasn't gonna believe until I saw it because it's been rumored for so long. And then I saw it, and I'm like, "Whoa!" And then it said the Golden Elite, and there is like some sort of Sarant Live style sketch sketch about how the elite just keeps adding one person and like every single time it gets a new name it's like the elite the young bucks the hung bucks the golden elite the platinum diamond elite and it just and bullet club gold it's like they got all these <laughs> it's so funny but um yeah the i was a diamond dallas elite <laughs> i like that man i actually like that a lot um put page in there with them uh i was a big obviously a big fan of this the, those are two massive additions to this blood and guts match like absolute like two of the best out of the entire fucking world two of the best guys they could have called in to be the fifth member on this match this match is going to be insane and like zach said it's going to be on tv for free um 
I agree with you. I shouldn't say that. Kota Ibushi, you, you know, I still marked out, but I thought that was the one that was solidified. Obviously, coming into it, I thought it was Jericho. When I saw Pac, I was like, oh, perfect. And like he said, you know, before you, Austin Power style, this is how we're going to kill you, and this is why we're going to kill you. You know, you broke my fucking nose in the, uh, the best of seven series. You know, but even before that, you know, they had the uh, – the, the draw, the like one of the first draws in AEW history between him and Pac. Pac is one of the few guys that's even tapped out Kenny Omega. I mean, name the last time Kenny Omega is tapped out on AEW TV after Pac. So at that point, it really started to make sense. I was more excited about Pac being the fifth member of BCC versus Kota Ibushi being the fifth member of the Golden Elite at this point. Pac, at least for me, and I'll just say it like this, if you wanted to keep him on BCC, you can. He fits the BCC mode. It makes sense. Everybody hates Candy Omega. Okay, perfect. If you wanted to do a one-off and then put Jericho into that sense, you can still do that too. Pac, I think, is the better fit, but neither here nor there. For this episode, I think it's going to be absolutely amazing because Pac, to me, if you're an AEW fan from the start to the finish, it makes more sense than anybody else you can put in, including Chris, yep. Chris Jericho. He's one of the OGs. Uh, exciting, exciting week mm-hmm. of AEW television no, I'm, coming up between I'm now, next week. between now and next Thursday. Next week's podcast. You know what else happens between right now and next Thursday's podcast? It's the most wonderful time. Four G one nights, year. maybe only three G one nights. I don't know. I get mixed up because doesn't of, matter. But guess what starts? Well, it's time for that three count right now. Sorry, Mike. This is where you probably shouldn't log off on the BFR podcast. <laughs> um, so, boys, 2023 G1. This is the sixth, at least the fifth G1 that we've watched together on this show because we started in 2019. I remember watching it when I was in Europe. On, uh, on, I was closer to their time, and I had, uh, I watched it on my iPhone. One of the first times I had to take over the pod. Brag, this guy's got an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said Europe like that. Europe. Um, so, that was 2019. I know we started the year before. So, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. This is, oh, this is our sixth. Six. Yeah, yep. I, 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 I did the math earlier today. It, this is our sixth year. It is the most wonderful time of the year. It's, as I like to call it, the actual WrestleMania because it is a slog, man. It is a struggle for some of those. It's a grind. That's what I, that's the word I should use. It's a grind. grind. And yes. if you want to, if you're a psycho like us and you want to watch every single G1 match because they tell so many different goddamn stories within a G1, it's so much fucking fun. <laughs> this year. <laughs> Good thing I got a cigarette going. <laughs> Last year, they expanded the field from 20 to 28, and there were four divisions of seven. This year, they've added four more, so it is four divisions of eight. Last year was kind of a mess because where it used to be one block fights every night, so you can kind of see the same guys on the same shows, and it helps you keep better track in your head of who's got how many points. Last year, it was all over the place. This year, it is not like that. It is going to be very fun, and I got to say, guys, Looking at the field this year and looking at the way they're doing it, this is the most excited 
I've ever been for a G1. What do you think about that, Zach? Ooh, that's that's tough. Uh, I don't know if it's the most excited I've ever been, but it is certainly the most excited I am all year for wrestling. So there is that. How about this? It's probably the most wide open as they could have because each block is going to get two guys that make it out of the block into an eight-man tournament. So let's get started with block A. So, Jason, I'm going to name the eight guys that are in block A. All right, got it over here. You know better than that. I, I want you to tell me, uh, like, who you think is going to win each block, and also if, if there's any if there's any matches that stand out to you because it is a round robin. Everybody in every block, everybody in each block fights everybody else in that block. So, all right. So we got Sonata, Hikaleu, Chase Owens, Edgar Renderita. Uh, so Renderita, sorry, Shota Umino, Yoda Suji. Gabriel Kidd, and from Noah, Kaito Kiyomiya. I don't know him. He's the only one in the whole field that I don't know. Um, a lot of people are mad because uh, Okada is not in this A block because of uh, Kaito Kiyomiya. Uh, obviously, there was a build on multiple different shows between and between Kaito and Okada, starting off with Kiyomiya kicking Okada in the face and then all hell breaking loose from that point. I'm not that mad about that. I think ultimately we're going to see that play itself out. The way that the it's breaking down where you have two people from A block, B block, C block, and D block moving forward, the way it's breaking down right now, you won't see Okada and Kaito meet until the final. So that makes me think something else is down the line, neither here nor there. I got Sonata. Obviously, I think that's going As to be the winner or the runner up. I, I think he's going to win the actual block itself. It's going to be hard for me to sit here and think that Sonata is going to lose this block. But this block is very interesting because it's got the, a lot of the young guns, if not all of the young guns, in this same block. Shoto Umino, Renarita, uh, Yoto Suji. Um, somebody else I'm missing on this, uh, Gabriel Kidd. I'm not expecting him to win, but once again, a young gun in that scenario. The runner-up for A block for me is Kato Kiyomiya. You're not going to bring him in and have a two-time NOAA heavyweight champion not at least advance to the quarterfinals. I got Sonata winning the A block, Kato Kiyomiya as the runner-up. So... I have Sonata. Oh, any anybody that you're interested in seeing? Any I'm, matches or anybody that you have a special eye on from that block? Anybody that's not named Sonata, Chase Owens. Yeah, those two. Anybody else? I want to see the young guns wrestle the young guns because this these are going to be the guys that are going to represent Noah and New Japan going forward. It's the new generation. It's an exciting block. Yeah. It, it might is, be very predictable, but I think it's exciting nonetheless. It is Sonata with uh, all three of the what they've called the three musketeers are in this block. Uh, new Japan, I don't know. I don't think we talked about this on the podcast. We but, haven't. But New Japan uh, official put out a tweet that 
called Shota Umino, Rin Narita, and Yoda Suji as they were calling them the Three Musketeers. It's uh, it's kind of likened to how AEW calls them the Four Pillars. It's like oh, these are the three well, guys I was gonna raise that our feature is based off of. Well, Zach, I was going to say there was obviously three pillars or the Three Musketeers before that. Who were those Three Musketeers? Shibata, uh, shit, uh, Shinsuke. Who was the third? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, okay, done. we've done this before, so but, we just we're, yes. we're revisiting and, it and at the second a second point. Ca- time. This is a kind of shoot thing, kind of a kayfabe thing, because they tweeted out, and then guys like Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin are tweeting back at like, "Fuck you," like we're better than those guys, shit like that. So oh, here's the, the original one: is Keiji Mudo, Masahiro Chono, and Shinya Hashimoto. So those are the original three musketeers. So this is see there this, you go. This is a thing that New Japan does. Uh, all three of them are in this block. I also have Sonata winning. I um, I think that you could put Yoda Suji, Shota Umino, or Ren Narita all in this slot as the runner-up. This this is a way to get somebody into the quarterfinals. And See, Master Wado. Right, exactly, and they like to do this. I am picking Ren Narita because he has been the most low-profile of those three, Ren Narita, Shota Umino, and Yoda Suji, and they've been doing a good job building up the other two. Yosuji had that title shot and Shota Umino has been in AEW and shit. So I'm picking Ren Narita. I think it's his turn to get a little shine. As for somebody that I'm watching out for, uh, I want to see Gabriel Kidd in this. I think that he could, you know, get like eight points. I mean, if there's going to be 14 points a block, I think that Gabriel Kidd getting eight is about right. And I want to see the types of matches he has with these other young guys. This is a fun Fucking block. This is the fun block. This is the block of death. Uh, even having, <laughs> I mean, Hikaleu is also a really young guy with a lot of upside. And yeah. he, he can be uh, the monster in this block. I mean, he is the monster in this block. Yeah, so, for sure. something I'm looking for. I don't know. To. I'm just down on Hikaleu. Go ahead, two, our three beer. Do your thing. A lot of upside is a fun way to say tall. Um, I <laughs> love your pick. Of Ren Narita as number two, uh, I that's why I texted you guys um, my whole worksheet page beforehand so that I cannot back out. Yep, we uh, did not, but I did not my, look at it. My pick <laughs> are there was a joke right there. Actually, See, I'm, I'm a grown ass adult. I let that joke slide. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, can't go back out. Huh? Who's your pick? <laughs> uh, I have Sonata winning and Kiyomiya as number two. Uh, really looking forward to this block. Uh, like you guys said, the Three Musketeers. This is like the rookie block uh, for the most part. And uh, I really like the Rinderita pick because even though he's been the least showcased, I think he's the best technical wrestler. Um, he doesn't have the charisma that the other guys do. Uh, he's the most kind of like Shibata in the sense where he just hits hard and he's very technically sound, but he's kind of, you know, a little more stone-faced, um, you know, just like the black tights. Uh, kind of, it was just like that style of wrestler, right? But um, yeah, this is going to be really good. Uh, kind of early prediction um, with Sonata winning the whole thing, or with uh, Sonata winning the A block, like I have him, I do think he takes one loss, and I think that loss goes to Yoda Suchi. Mm. Okay, I'm. No, I agree. He's not going to. He's not going to run the table. I just. I, the only reason I disagree with Yoda Suji is because he already got the title shot. And usually the way New Japan does their th- deal, if you beat the champion, you're getting the title shot. Anybody yeah, else? But 
it was real good, and I think uh, running it back, especially after he wins, would be would be uh, would be fun. Okay. So. Completely fair. Got a couple shows between there and there and Wrestle Kingdom. So. Two questions. Um, the first one is anybody else in the block who are you looking forward to the most? Uh, really, uh, besides the three Musketeers, uh, it's Tiamia because I haven't seen him wrestle much, and I know he's uh, a big deal in Noah, and uh, just only so many hours in the day, man. I don't ever get to watch Noah. We. Um, we we also the second question is we didn't determine how much these picks are going to be for. Should we say ten points for the oh, Jesus Christ? Oh, that's too much, huh? Okay, well let's say okay two points for the block winner or one point if you get second place right. Fair. All right. Uh, so the B block is Kazuchika Okada, Yoshihashi, Taichi, Kenta, Great Okan, Bill Osprey. Tangaloa and ELP, El Phantasmo. <laughs> Did you say Bill Osprey? Yeah, that's what I'm calling him. Let's <laughs> 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 say, Mama, you ain't shit. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm like, uh, 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 excuse me. <laughs> he could be a Bill. You ain't shit. Okay, come on, man. I was sitting there, you said it, I'm like, did he just say that? I mean, like, out loud. Like, look, I love Will Ospreay like anybody else. But, God damn, dude, I'm not naming him or anybody else. Like, Jay White, I'm not naming him JCB White. Come on, man. Give me a break. So, uh, who, do you up, have, who, do you, <laughs> <laughs> who do you have in this block? Jason, or no, Zach, go ahead and yeah, go first. Zach, go first. Uh, so, for the B block, I have Okada winning the block with Osprey coming in second. Uh, that said, I do uh, have we get the obligatory uh, Okada Osprey rematch from the finals uh, last year, and Will Osprey has been pretty consistently come up short versus Okada uh, lately in that big scenario. This is going to be a very different match because it's only twenty minutes time limits. That's one thing we didn't talk about or we didn't mention that uh, historically yep. thirty minutes time limit. These are twenty, so they'll move it a bigger clip most of them were 20 minutes or less anyway it's not a huge deal but um these guys are not going to have that big epic match it's going to be more of a of a sprint and uh, i i think osprey this is a way for osprey to get a win over okada uh if it's not osprey uh, i think somebody like i don't know like great okan or like taichi uh getting a win over okada again i don't i don't see him fully running the block but he is going to dominate, and he is going to be the number one guy. Uh, he's won the last two G1s. I think that was his fourth G1 that he won last year. So uh, it's fucking Okada. So uh, he's winning. I'm, 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 like, I'm not betting against him, right, uh, at least uh, in, the, in the block winning. So that's, that's where I'm at. But there's going to be some really fun matchups besides Will Ospreay and Okada, but those guys are going to be great with everybody. Um, I think something like a – like a Tai Chi and Tinta or like, uh, you know, CLP and, and Osprey is going to be good. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be – this is going to be a fun block. Jason. Um, I want to disagree with Zach at least on who wins the block, who's the runner-up. I don't, Ultimately, I don't think it matters. I think it just depends on who's, you know, the two guys that advance. I agree with Zach. Go with Okada winning the block. Will Ospreay is the runner-up. Will Will's in that interesting spot where he's coming in as the U.S. champion, and I think that's 
something that is going a little bit underneath the radar because we haven't talked a little New Japan and, and that match has kind of gone away and we've talked about, you know, other wrestling, other promotions. But ultimately, I think that's where we get with that. Guys to watch on the B block. Tai Chi is somebody that I'm not saying is going to win the block, but if he is the runner-up in the B block, it wouldn't be a surprise. That would mean that either Okada or Will Ospreay have been bumped at least a couple of times, maybe a third. Okada obviously coming off the Daniel Bryanson uh, tap out. That's something to think about too. Maybe that's in his head. Maybe that plays out into an angle. We'll see what happens, but I'll agree with uh, Zach on this one. Okada won. Will Ospreay too. Yeah, we're all in agreement here. Uh, This is Chalk. Uh, The only other person in this block that I can see coming in second that I could see getting either the winner or the runner-up, and it would have to be runner-up, the only other person I could see would be Great O'Conn. I don't see that happening. Nobody else is in a place to get into the eight-man tournament here. For the record, Great O'Conn did did lose the Rev Pro Heavyweight Championship, take it for what it's worth. I didn't even know he had it. Dude. Never mind. You don't watch the the undercard. Never mind. But um, I I am... (laughs) I think that last year it wasn't the best it wasn't the best match of the tournament, but the most surprising match of the tournament, maybe the most surprising tournament in terms of uh performance except for David Finley. I was really impressed and I always loved a Yoshihashi match last year. So Yoshihashi versus Will Ospreay, um I got that one circled. That one could be really fun because Yoshihashi he turns it on, man. He you know turns what? It on. And once again, and I'm probably going to say it for the third week in a row, you and Brett can never meet. That Yoshihashi is Brett's like favorite, one of the favorite wrestlers in New Japan. Yoshihashi's and, my man, and so is Brett. Jesus Christ! If I ever die, then you guys can meet. Until then, never. But we all got Okada, Will Osprey as one and two. So in the C block, and this is a, this is the hard hitting block. I hope that. Uh, Finlay and Mikey Nichols are ready for what's about to happen because we got <laughs> David Finley, we got Ishii, we got Evil, we got Tamatanga, we got Shingo Hanare and Eddie Kingston and Ishii all in this block. These guys are going to potato the fuck out of each other. Um, I will go first. I think that it is important to keep your Bullet Club leader strong. They're obviously telling a story with the Bullet Club right now. So I'm going to take Finlay to win this block and to come in second place. Um, so I haven't looked at your picks yet. I haven't decided yet. I think that I am going to go with... Tamatanga. I'm going Tamatanga. I was looking through the schedules, and Tamatanga is in a lot of main events and semi-main events, and uh, that says to me that they're planning on big things from Tamatanga. That's who I'm taking. Jason, who you got? Uh, I agree with you on the the winner of the block. I think it should be David Finley. It's going to be hard for them to get away from the push of David Finley and or Bullet Club across the board. You just anointed um, Gabriel Kidd and 
not Carl Fredericks. Ah, shit, the Android. Alex I can see. Is the, the, thank you. Uh, their junior tag team champ or the, the heavyweight champ tag team champs, Carl Connors and Dan Maloney, junior tag team champs. So at that point, it'll be hard for them to get away from David Finley winning the C block. So I have him winning the C block. I was with you on who is the runner-up, Shingo, Tamatanga. Tamatanga's just coming back. Shingo, I don't think he needs a push, but it feels like he's kind of carried the KOPW uh, championship for a little bit, like it or not. Not a huge fan of it at first, but I thought he kind of elevated. Now Tai Chi has it. So what does Shingo do? So you have the one of the two guys. I'm going to stick with my LIJ roots. I'm going with Shingo as the runner-up of the C block. Uh, Zach, who you got? Well, we all have the same winners of the block so far. I picked David Finley to keep him strong. Uh, but for number two, I have Shingo Takage. Uh, what did you pick, Jason? I picked Shingo. Oh, uh, you picked Shingo. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, uh, yeah, we are in agreement so far entirely, me and Jason. <laughs> we have literally the exact same pick. Uh, so glad we didn't talk about this first. I know, right? Uh, what are the odds? Right? I mean, like, there's 32 motherfuckers in here. Right. Uh, <laughs> and there's, like, a difference between first and second and all that stuff. If they would have, like, took a couple of these dudes out and they would have put, like, Goto and Jeff Cobb into the C block, I think that might have been the most meaty men slapping meat block oh, ever. big-time meaty men. Big-time meaty men. Yeah. Uh, speaking of meaty men, I am looking forward to watching Hanari in this uh, block, but... I want to see if Kingston can keep up, man. I want to see Kingston on his seventh match. Where you at, dude? <laughs> no, and that's how's your cardio, bro? That's a him Tanahashi are two guys that are going to be guys to kind of circle. This is going to be a grind for Tanahashi to begin with, and he's used to doing it. This is his yearly thing. For A. Kingston, obviously, this is his first time around. Adrenaline is only going, only going to get him so far. At some point, the G1 grinds them all down. How long Eddie Kingston can last is the great question. And he's the New Japan, New Japan Strong Champion, so you're going to have to keep him strong at some point too. So that's going to be something to look forward to in that scenario. Hanari, he got Hanari's the... Hanari's uh, going to beat the shit out of Eddie Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> Hanari has a dub over the ace, Tanahashi, so... I'm not saying he's going to win the block, but I, I would be surprised if he doesn't get another upset win in this block somehow, some form of fascist. Yeah, um, interesting block to look at. Uh, and then yeah, I think uh, Hanari's going to do real well. Uh, I think Kingston's going to do well, too. But, yeah, for matchups, like, we already saw how good Hanari and Takagi can be. Um, really interested in the, yeah, seeing good Kingston call. with a, a variety of these dudes. No, I, I, uh, and, of course, you know, everything evil. I just can't wait to see evil oh, wrestle Jesus everybody. Christ. Um, <laughs> uh, I can see Shingo, Hanare, or Tamatanga all coming in second place. Tamatanga would be the, the guy that if he came in the runner-up spot for the C block, it would not surprise me at all. And then the D block is... This, these are your veterans, pretty much. Uh, this is Tanahashi, Naito, Goto. Zack Sabre Jr., Toriyanu, Jeff Fuck Cobb, Jane, Shane Haste, and Alex Coughlin. Um, Zach, go first. 
All right, so for this one, I have ZSJ in first place, and I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that he runs the block completely undefeated. He's always strong He's in tournaments, and I is not out of the realm of possibility. He's also an expert in the 15-minute match lately because he's just been murdering these guys on kayfabe style. Um, you just keep that keep that strong, and um, because he runs the entire block, uh, I will put uh, number two as uh, Tetsuya Naito uh, for number two. Uh, I have matchups just in general, yeah. like uh, Tanahashi Zach is always excellent, and it's probably the only match that I really want to see, kind of match that I want to see Tanahashi in these days, where he's just on the bat and he's not like getting up trying to walk around and stuff. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, Goto is always uh, a dark horse in these things. He's so good, and uh, yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Uh, I have the same two guys, but reversed. I have Naito winning the block. I have ZSJ uh, coming in second. Um, I see they're going to – I bet they did the same thing with Naito that they did with him a couple years ago or maybe last year where he started out real slow and then he came back and won. Like, I remember thinking he was mathematically eliminated and then the podcast before the finals – or the podcast before the end of the block, Jason's like, no, no, he, he, if he wins, he's in the block, or he's in the finals. And I was like, fuck, I thought he was done. That's what I'm calling this time. What do you got, Jason? <sighs> you motherfuckers here. Oh, and as far as uh, matches that I am interested in, uh, Shane Haste versus all these guys, I'm a big uh, TMDK fan these days. And, of course, Yano versus everybody. Fuck Yano first and foremost <laughs> once again. Um I'm a little surprised we haven't heard one name in this in this block, and it's the name that could be, should be in the conversation, and, and that's Jeff Cobb. I agree with everything that you guys have said at this point, but Jeff Cobb has kind of been the one guy that hasn't really been around since ZSJ, losing to ZSJ. Um, it tied him. Well, I shouldn't say tied, but drawing the with the uh, the world TV championship, and then lost clean to ZSG afterwards. Really, outside of that, outside of beating Okada, we really haven't talked about Jeff Cobb. Something to be said about that's my dark horse. But as a mark, I will stick to my guns the way I thought about it coming in. I agree with Two Beer. ZSJ should win the block. It's going to be hard for the lone champion. Yep. Well, Tanahashi is a never six-man champion. I won't count him as that. ZSJ is the lone singles champion. He should win the block. It shouldn't necessarily be an issue. There should be good matches, but somehow, some way, he'll sneak out of the block. From that point, it's either Naito or Jeff Cobb. I'm going to be a mark. Call me what you want to. I'm going to take Naito as the runner-up. Jeff Cobb wins the runner-up block in the D block. I wouldn't be surprised. So you have Zach winning and Naito coming in second. Yes. Okay. And So the exact same. I pick. wanted to change my pick, but I, I just can't. I'm not saying you should. No, not at all. It's just funny. It's so funny. so um, who do you have winning the whole thing? If you want, I have the – I have like – I know. The stars are exact same. I have them laid out here. So okay. the eight-man tournament for that would be Sonata versus Takagi 
Okada versus Naito, Finlay versus Osprey, and ZSJ versus Kiyomiya. That's how it would lay out. So who you got, Jason? Okay, say it one. Let's go start from front to back. I'll we'll just, just go. Yeah, we'll go front to back. So Sonata ahead. versus Takagi. I'll take Sonata. God, it's, okay. it sucks for me to even say that shit. Uh, Okada versus Naito. Okada. Okay. God, it's like Stanley versus dick. Osprey. Um, Finley beat him last year. It was fucking awesome. I was still going to take Osprey anyway, so I'll take Osprey to be so stick to my guns. Go ahead. And ZSJ versus Kiyomiya. This is where I think ZSJ should win. Wouldn't be surprised if Kiyomiya wins. I still take ZSJ. All right. So that would mean your um, your semifinals would be. Uh, let's see. It would be. Okada. Sorry. It would be Okada versus Sonata. Okada. Okay. Gets his gets his and uh receipt. then it would be Osprey versus ESJ. Osprey. Osprey Okada so is the final. The and then give me Osprey. I'll, okay, there you go. I'll take <laughs> Will Osprey is gonna win the G one. We're all gonna have the same thing. I have Osprey winning the G one also. Okay. Uh, Biden, this is where we differ uh, in the pick, and this is also where we differ in the way it goes down. So Sonata versus Takagi, I had Takagi uh, because you have the interplay with uh, LIJ, and you also need, you know, some challengers. So I think that's a high-profile match they could do. Uh, Okada versus Naito, I have Naito winning because Naito is one of those guys that can knock Okada out, and with Kiyomiya kind of going just as far as Okada does in the G1. That can be like a point of contention and he can kind of needle him, but uh, he went just as far in, in the tournament. Uh, Finley versus Osprey got Osprey and ZSJ versus Kiyomiya. I originally had Kiyomiya winning uh, and needling Okada with like, I went further than you. Uh, I say originally, that's, I sent this to you guys, but um, uh, I sent the, the the final thing to you guys, but uh, I have ZSJ, so I had Osprey versus ZSJ, where I pick Osprey, Takagi versus Naito, where I pick Naito, and I think the final will be Osprey versus Naito, which was the semifinal last year, and I have Naito beating Osprey and going to Wrestle Kingdom. This is maybe Naito's last G1 win, although Tanahashi won just a couple of years ago, but uh, I can just see this being kind of the last, uh, last big play for Naito. Kingdom. Yeah, okay. You got Naito. I have Osprey. I'm not going to go through all mine just because mine was a little bit different than yours, and I'm kind of high right now, and it would take me a really long time to figure out. So we are just going to – I'm going to tell you that I have Osprey over Okada in the finals of the G1 also. I think that some guys are going to get a good showing, but um, Osprey winning, I think, makes the most sense. He can certainly headline a Wrestle Kingdom. I love the gumption. So, matches that, what's the block that we're looking at that we're most excited to watch? A block. Zach? I'd say A block because it's stuff that I've never seen. There you go. A block. Um, is this Tanahashi's last G1? I hope so. I think last year should have been. It was hard for me to watch him at Forbidden Door. 
I think the reason why you have him as the never open weight champion, six man champion, is a slow but hopefully graceful way on the way out. If you're going to make me say yes or no, I want to say yes. It should be his last year one. Um, is the twenty minute time limit going to lead to more draws? Uh, do you think I, it? Do you think it makes any difference at all? I go first. I I agree with Zach. I didn't. I didn't have a problem with it to begin with. I think it's just going to make things just, you know, boom, 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 boom. You're going to get faster matches, um, more intense. I'm all for it. It, it. Very few matches go past the 20-minute mark to begin with. So, yeah, I have no problem with the 20-minute time limit. Zach, is it going to change anything? I don't know that it will, but I think that they will use it as a storytelling device to make it seem like it does, to maybe play it up, even if statistically it actually doesn't. Uh, but it it makes for a good story. Okay, I'm going to say it right now. I am coming out this week as a TMDK super fan. Go TMDK. I hope they get the most points. <laughs> I am going to buy a TMDK shirt. I got oh, I wore my New Japan shirt to the zoo on Saturday. I just I took uh, the baby, just me and her. We went to the zoo, and this dude walked by me. And goes, it's a fucking nice shirt. <laughs> like right on, dude. Marks are everywhere, baby. <laughs> you know, I said to him, "Fuck you, you, dude. You have got to get that drop for next week. I'll get it for it's next so week. many times. We could have did that right here, right now. It's crazy talk. I'll get it for next week. That's uh, funny. I guys. saw a guy in a Blackpool Combat Club shirt in a Safeway up here, and I was too scared to talk to him. Ooh, can I tell a story was real it quick? Claudio? Oh no, uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to approach this without seeming like either. Just point uh, at your open mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. Should have done that. I love. <laughs> I know, man. I love it. Okay, Jason, what's your story? I come with this or not, man. That's the greatest <laughs> fucking. You waited so patiently. It's it was I something didn't even, I didn't see it until it was right there. He even leaned back. He leaned back. <laughs> he took a breath and just smiled like a right? motherfucker. No, that's what I was I'm like. I'm you. surprised. You, I'm, I'm a little surprised. And maybe this is just me being petty. That. I was like, okay, I would, I would wait for this. You got me last week. Oh, I'm waiting for your ass. I don't even and, think he got me. I'm just calling back to a good joke. That's dude, he the was joke. I've thought about that joke every day since it happened. And so he got I, you. So he was in your head. No, I think about Rent it. Like, free. No, I think about it and I like giggle. No, I'm like, that's really fucking. <laughs> it wasn't funny. a guess on Bill at all. No, no, like no. But look, the I'm minute just, the minute Zach started talking. Bill started twisting his mustache. <laughs> oh, I, I really did. Like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah. Here it comes. Oh, Cut it out. I wish. I, uh, maybe you didn't. And I would love to think that you you were petty like me and just sitting there waiting for the time where, you know, no. Zach's down. You're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just stabbing him three or four times. No, I was just okay. calling back to a funny joke. And, and you know what? God you bless see, you. You guys see conflict everywhere, man. I'm just No, chilling. I'm just, look, I'm a petty motherfucker. Now, I will admit it. Okay, there you go. I've had a couple of drinks. I've had a bunch of weed. Fine. I'm petty. I want to see certain people die <laughs> yes. or just get shanked in this motherfucker in this world. Okay? <laughs> sorry, not sorry. So, in my oh head. Oh, my God. He admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this scenario, I was thinking, okay, so when Zach said open mouth, this was the time where, oh, this is a, it was literally like I saw the alley-oop in the air and I kind of looked at you as like, 
oh, are you going to take this? And then you just came up and dunked it, but you dunked it out of fun, not, because, not of uh, just malice. Yes, no, it was not out of malice at all. Just calling back to a, one of the funniest jokes that's ever <laughs> happened on this podcast. I was waiting for the receipt. Just Neither here nor there. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely slayed me. Um, Real quick, the I am, story I wanted to say was oh, yeah. there was the uh, outside of Jack Patrick's because it's kind of relevant because, you know, it's Jack Patrick's. This is when the Usos just lost the tag team titles. So it was after WrestleMania. I was at Jack Patrick's, random reason. Obviously, you weren't there. And this black guy and the white guy were arguing. And the white guy was fucking with the black guy because the black guy was a big Usos fan, but they just lost the titles. So the white guy was like, you know, that's why, you know, Sammy and KO, you know, beat the Usos for the championships. And the, the, the black guy, like, jumped up or whatever. And I'm, like, smoking a cigarette. I'm meeting Anthony to have a drink. So I'm watching this unfold. I got, you know, my wrestling gear on, but I never stop. I don't even look over. I'm watching this as I'm smoking a cigarette. I'm, you know, I'm getting towards the door, so I'm getting ready to go to the door to the left. And I'm hearing <laughs> those first two tables, and they're getting pretty heated. So the girlfriend's like, stop, sit down, sit down. So as the girlfriend's getting up, you know, that's some getting some shit. So I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. <laughs> so I'm getting in the door, and they still are arguing like 15 minutes later about WWE, about the Usos, the KO Sammy the whole nine yards. That's that's the fandom that I love to see. I didn't want to see the motherfuckers fight, but it was funny to me to where he was really so invested in bloodline, the Usos, all thing Roman Reigns. Acknowledge me. I heard him say that's that. That's like shit. me and TMDK now. Look, when you start running around and start saying, you know, Vegeta is the greatest fucking young lion in this fucking planet, then you can convince me. Outside of that, you ain't going to convince me just yet. These jokers are ready to fight. Um, I'm very much very much looking forward to this G1, very much looking forward to talking about it for the next couple months. Uh, and- before, before we move on from the G1, of if you have, of the matches that I've been posting on Friends of BFR, which one's been your favorite so far? Um... I've only watched three. That was that 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 Shibata Ishi match fucking rules. That's my favorite. I think it's also just like something that's so consumable. I think it's twelve minutes long to where you're just like, I've got twelve minutes. Um, I didn't know I Vader know was that. ever in the G1, and when you showed me that, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, well, damn. And that that's why I love New Japan because there's so many guys that have gone to New Japan from whether it's if it's WWE or WCW or whatever the case may be they've always kind of made a stop in New Japan and that's the shit I want to see are they different Hulk Hogan great example he is you know the classic WWE guy over there but he comes over in, in New Japan and all of a sudden he knows how to wrestle so I mean at that point that's the shit I kind of want to see versus anything else. I thought the, the the Vader match was one of the matches that really stood out versus anything else. Really fun, though. Uh, check us out on Friends of BFR. Invite yourself to the group. We will accept you. Uh, we have a lot of fun in there during pay-per-views and things like that. Anything else to say about the G1, boys? <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Kate, wait. All right, that's going to do it for our three count. One, two, three. We got some birthdays this week, some heavy hitters. 
X-Pac. 47 years old. Dude, Jesus Christ. Jeff Jarrett is 56, still doing the dang thing, ain't he? Uh, Bubba Ray Dudley is yeah, 48. Charlie Caruso whoa, 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 is 30. What? Wait, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. Bubba Ray Dudley is 48. That's what it says. That doesn't seem right, does it? I would, I would like to think not. Oh, I bet that's right. Fuck you. Keep talking. Uh, so... Uh, let me see. I lo- oh, Charlie. Charlie Crusoe is 36. Heath Slater is 40. Jesse, the body Ventura, is 72. Yeah, he's 48. Fuck. It's 52. Uh, Bubba Ray Dudley is 52. I yes. Know. You, you guys should see yes. this website. I get it off. Yes. Janky as fuck. Yes. Jesse, the body Ventura, is 72. Thank you, Bo. Boogie Man is 59. Bobby Lashley is 47. Excalibur is 43. Mojo Rawley, remember him? He's 37. He's probably headbutting a wall somewhere. No, he's on T, uh, TM, uh, TMZ Sports. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Al Snow is 60. Joey Mercury is 44. Mandy Rose is 32. Woo! Karrion Cross is 38. Woo! And Jinder Mahal is 37. Oh, my Lord. And everybody, we know there's Come tons of podcasts me. to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. For Millie the Cat, for Jack. Xander the Cat, Jack. for Reba the Dog, Jack. for Anthony the Baby, Jack. for Aaron the Wife. Jack, good job. For Vice, Jack. for Tender Mahal. Don't forget about, uh, sorry, fighting for Allison this weekend in Sajay at Pops. Double check. For Tinder Mahal again, for Patriot Pat, for Lucha Chris, for check, Murray, check. Murray, 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 for Three check. Beers, Zach Holman, for Jason Cronenius, Bell, Tinder Waiters, support check. the local weed dealers, check. Black Lives Matter, and Double never check. forget the Boo the Heels. Boo!